You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning and welcome to Focus on the Liturgy here on 7.50 a.m., an element of programming of Catholic Community of Faith for the Archdiocese of Chicago. I am Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship with the Archdiocese, and I'm joined remotely by... Oh, uh, Timothy Johnson with Liturgy Training Publications. I am in the studio, and uh, Timothy is... Um, we, are at, we are at more than adequate social distance from one another. Timothy, well, <clears throat> happy seventh week of Easter. Yeah, happy seventh week. How did it go by so fast? I know, I know. As our listeners know, we're here every fourth Wednesday of the month to talk about all the various rites and rituals, the seasons, anything that's part of the communal corporate liturgical life of the Church. And probably, if mentioning liturgical seasons, probably, the, not probably, the highlight of the liturgical year is Easter and the 50 days that uh, that unpack it and celebrate it. And like you said, Timothy, I, I don't know where it all went, um, somewhere down the pandemic hole, but it, went, <laughs> it seemed to go by way too fast. Yeah, it, it really, uh, really did as the days during this time of sheltering in place kind of flow in in one in and out of one another without much distinction these days. Without doubt, I've heard it said over and over and over again, this is this has been a unique Easter season unlike any other, obviously. Yes, it has. But, hopefully a rich, a rich season, though, with, with folks being able to have more time with their family, praying, um, and, and maybe reflecting upon all the things we've even talked about over the last few months um, on the show. That's exactly what I was going to note. I, I agree with you 100%. I don't know how many people have told me that um, their experience of COVID-19 and sheltering at home orders, um, uh, social distancing, only essential travel, uh, how many people have talked about how this must have been what it was like for the early disciples? Um, you know, not, not not unsure of themselves, unsure of the situation, unsure of how how to do what Jesus called them to do uh, with uh, all of the limitations that they experienced, that it must have been something like what we've had. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. And the, even just even those scripture stories that we, we've heard throughout the season, um, the one that comes to my mind as you were talking is specifically about being hit in the upper room. Um, and like you said, not knowing what's next and what is supposed to be happening. Jesus promises something, and yet we're sort of in this liminal time where it's, it's new. It's uh, just like the apostles. It was new. The whole experience of what happened after... Um, the resurrection and the ascension, all of that was new, and they had to chart new waters. And so in some ways, we have been doing that as individuals, as families, and as church. 
You know, Timothy, I have not thought about this, but you just struck something in me. So here we are, the um, the last week of Easter. We're coming. This is Wednesday of the seventh week, um, and and where we are even in the scriptural readings, um, it, it it just strikes me that the Easter season, at least through the Gospels, both begins and ends in the upper room. Yes, that's right. I, I never did you. I've never realized that. Have you? Uh, no, I don't think I don't think I've ever consciously made that connection the way you just did. Where Where were they on Easter morning? I mean, uh, they they after after Good Friday after the after the crucifixion they were huddled in the in the upper room, uh, afraid. Uh, where are they at the end of the Easter season? We'll touch on this later, but Jesus said, "Go back to go back and pray. Go back and pray for the Advocate uh, as as I ascend to my Father." and and where does Pentecost find them? <laughs> Back in that <laughs> room. And so have we been in our upper rooms through all of the Easter season in in this in this COVID experience. It really has given a new twist. It's and and like you said, some richness I think to many people's uh, prayer, many people's experience, many people's meditation, um, m- m- many people's uh, own experience of Christ in their lives at this point. Yeah, one of the things that's been really great for me during this period is, um, which I think we mentioned on the last show, or maybe the last two shows, is that LTP has been doing uh, these online virtual uh, retreats and experiences, and weekly we've been meeting on Thursdays to break open the Sunday Scriptures. And we've had anywhere from 50 to 70 people in different events, and some other things we've had close to 200 people. And it's been so much of a blessing to hear via them typing and responding to things, but the the profound experiences people across the country, even across the world, we've had people from Australia and New Zealand join it. Oh, wow. And it's been such a blessing to connect in, in different ways than obviously we are able to at Mass, and, and certainly we're all fasting and missing that experience of the Eucharistic liturgy. Um, but what a profound opportunity to hear people's personal stories, some people sharing some really personal struggles that they're having. And and in some ways, this became an online place for them to find community and to theologically reflect um, within that community on the joys and the sufferings within that time. And and that's sort of shown me a different side of, of church uh, in, in a good sense. Oh my gosh, yeah. So two, two quick things. Uh, so you mentioned these gatherings that have been going on Thursday nights, uh, for uh, all the weeks of Easter. Just for the listeners, can they take part in this coming Thursdays? Yeah, this coming Thursday is still available. Um, you Just visiting ltp.org or uh, calling our customer service number, which I don't have in front of me. Uh, but uh, yeah, and there's still room to register and can participate, and we'll be breaking open the readings for, for Pentecost. And those um, uh, that number, though, can be found on your website, right? Oh, for sure. So ltp.org. And second question that that prompted, are you going to be on this Thursdays? Um, I will be present, but I'm not presenting this Thursday. I presented on Ascension. Uh, I'm not sure who the presenters are on. I'm one. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) Well, I was hoping you'd be part of it, too. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be good. Uh, Yeah, this this Thursday we are. We're reflecting on the... um, on, on, on the, the liturgy of Pentecost. And what I love about these, Timothy, is that it's not just that 
you're reflecting on one specific aspect or one one specific element of the liturgy, like only the readings. We look at the opening collect. We look at all of the readings, including the psalm, which is a, a reading of Scripture. We look at hymnody. That's part of the uh, uh, the, the celebration that, that's being reflected on. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the one on Pentecost. Yeah, they, they definitely have been uh, a blessing. And I hope folks at home, whether uh, they've been able to join us online or some other experience online, that during these days, especially this final week of, of the Easter season, um, have an opportunity to really sit with Scripture and, and to pray with and break it open and see what the Holy Spirit is inviting you to consider at this time, uh, this unique time, for sure. Nice, nice. That's a, it's a, that's a great opportunity. I mean, and, and of course, the, uh, throughout the Easter season, there have been so many wonderful resources out there, yet, m- first and foremost from LTP, of course, <laughs> but also other resources that have been available uh, for um, uh, prayer, for group mm-hmm. gatherings, for reflection. So, uh, uh, my gosh, my, my hope and my prayer is that uh, our listeners have been able to take advantage of some of those things. Oh, for sure. And, and and all of it, all of it brings us uh, to the topic uh, for our show today. The the all of it leads to and, and 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 takes us to the culmination of the Easter season, the celebration of Pentecost itself. And I know you and I have talked before, right? But we, I mean, we both said it. I, I I love Pentecost. Well, yeah, how could you not? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's such a, a a joyful celebration between the scriptures and. Um, Certainly the theological implications it has for us about the Spirit, the Advocate coming into the world, um, and and enlivening us and empowering us to proclaim the Gospel, as we heard on Ascension, go out uh, and teach all nations, um, you know, to go forth and, and be the witness, the presence of Christ. Um, I think growing up, this is... I think we've talked about this before. My favorite seasons at different times of my life have always shifted. And at one point, I think Pentecost um, was one of those, like right next to the Easter Vigil for me. And uh, just because of the the power of my own experience of the uh, of the power of the Holy Spirit, um, it was just so uh, so alive and so real. You know, as you're talking, it just strikes me the uh, this really. The, these days, right, between Ascension and Pentecost and then Pentecost itself, I said it really is the culmination of the Easter season, but if you look at it the way you just described it, it it's, the, it's, the, it's the culmination of what we talked about of that first show uh, uh, during the octave of, of Easter, mm-hmm. right? It really is. Ascension and Pentecost really, really are the culmination of the renewal of our baptism at the Easter Vigil and Easter Sunday. Yeah, and it 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 really is. I mean, just think about this. It, I think it's helpful. It is the end of the Easter season, but as you were just talking, I was thinking that it's a beginning. Mm-hmm. Of, <laughs> you know, really, as we go out, so it is that culmination, as you were saying, the beginning of our ministerial life, the living into that baptismal priesthood, more fully um, after that whole season of conversion we've had during Lent, the season of joy and, and, and renewal um, of Easter, and now we move, uh, we'll move into ordinary time, and 
where we we wholeheartedly can focus on and practice what it means to be a disciple, and taking what we hear at the Ascension and Pentecost to heart. Um, that yes, we've renewed our baptismal promises at the Easter during Easter, and now we are sent, and we're sent to go and be with the poor, the sick, the dying, imprisoned, all those corporal works of mercy. We've said it before, we're sent to be the presence of Christ in this world that needs it so bad, needs the presence of Christ so badly. Yeah. And, and, and we, and as you've said, we, we do it through our actions and, and these, these are the actions that we've been rehearsing throughout all of Lent, right? Fasting, prayer, almsgiving, doing extra things, serving the poor, uh, taking on something extra. We've, we've rehearsed those behaviors. As you like to say, they've, be, they've become habitus for us. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, and now we're to go out and, and live it in, uh, in, in the rest of this uh, year, the, the rest of this liturgical year, the, the, the rest of this calendar year, the rest of our lives. And, and doing that even in this unique time. Yeah. Discovering yes. the way that we can do that, um, which may look different than it did in previous years, and that's okay, because it's, it's like a way of challenging and growing in our understanding of the Spirit within our own lives. And because I am human, and because I, I, I'm speaking just personally, because I, I know I fail, because I know I don't always live out that baptism that was renewed this Easter season, because I, 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 I know I, I, I don't live up to it, come along next Lent, I'm going to need to renew it once again. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the beauty, and that's the power, and the profundity of our liturgical year. Yeah, it, it, it really is that we have an opportunity year after year, day after day, really, um, week after week, season after season, to come back to the heart of the matter, which is that experience of the life, death, and resurrection of, of Christ, that Paschal mystery. And, and so you, you won't be alone next Lent. We'll, we'll be joining you. <laughs> All of us will, will definitely need... Um, yeah, we all will need that renewal and and uh, kind of the kick in the pants a little bit so that yep. we come turn toward God and can celebrate um, the gifts and the grace that we have um, and continue to grow more deeply in those. Yep, always called deeper and deeper and deeper. When we come back from this first break, Timothy, let's talk a little bit more about where we are in the in this last season or last week of the season. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more focus on the liturgy after these messages. nation in our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. 
In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced A Call to Prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A Call to Prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. We invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend, featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the Archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. We'll talk with Cardinal Blaise Supich about the outreach efforts underway by the Catholic Church to help people in need during the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll show you how online masses have become a common way of worship, and we'll give you a sampling of how teachers and students in Catholic schools are being creative and productive during the health crisis. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable, Channel 25, and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network, Channel 100. There's nothing like having a friend to talk to when things are not going well. And in these challenging days, everyone has had moments when they are discouraged, sad, or worried. Catholic Charities wants you to know that we are here. If you or someone you know would like to share your concerns with a professional, call 312-948-6951 anytime, day or night, and you will be connected with an experienced counselor who will listen without judgment and offer compassionate, confidential advice that you can trust. That phone number again is 312-948-6951. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. Welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy here on 7.50 a.m., an element of the Catholic community of faith. I'm Todd Williamson. And I'm Timothy Johnson. We are talking about the uh, the end of the Easter season. We're in the seventh week, the last week of the season, uh, halfway through it, just a few more days, and um, just talking about the spirituality and the theology theology of... The, the, I, I, Timothy, I do think these are unique days in the, in the Easter season. So kind of... Kind of like the octave of, East, of Easter, which which is the first eight days, really is unique. I, I think these last days are unique too because they're they really tie together those two great solemnities of Ascension and Pentecost. Yeah, I, I was reflecting a little bit before the show, um, just looking at the collects and and some of the readings and things, and and there is a focus. There's sort of the shift after the Ascension um, as we move towards. Um, I think you might have mentioned at one point that it's like the Great Novena in some sense, um, that leading up to the outpouring of the Spirit. And so we hear, you know, even in the collects of the Masses this week, um, again, asking for the Holy Spirit, just like the Apostles would have been in that upper room. You know, uh, Jesus tells them at the Ascension that uh, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And they're 
each day this week, we're praying for the outpouring of the Spirit to fill us to even today's collect, um, you know, that the Church be devoted with all of her heart, um, that the Spirit might help us be devoted with all of uh, our hearts uh, in, to the mission. And so, in a sense, yeah, I think these days are preparing us for that great celebration of Pentecost. Yeah, the, the, just that whole flow of one into the other. And yeah, I mean, it really, it, it is the, the, the original novena, right? I mean, that's, 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 that's where that whole idea of praying uh, for nine days, uh, nine hours, whatever that might be, is, comes from. It's it, that, that's the time between uh, the, the traditional celebration of Ascension and Pentecost itself. The, the idea was that, that the, 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 the apostles, the disciples were locked in the upper room, and, and, and as Jesus said, I will send you the advocate praying for, so that they're, they're, they're there waiting for the uh, uh, the spirit uh, as Jesus promised and and praying for it and if and like you said if you look at the liturgies in between those two days that's exactly what we're doing in the 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 texts of the mass and 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 in the readings I, I love I love looking at the opening collects but, you know, like particularly from this last Sunday mm-hmm. so so the the celebration of Ascension for us in this province. We can come back to that in just a moment, maybe. But uh, you know, the the from from that from that point on, every if if our listeners have noticed, every opening prayer of every mass of every day between has or some reference to the Holy Spirit and 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 what what will happen when the Holy Spirit comes. So, uh, for example, on on Monday of this week after Ascension, may the power of the Holy Spirit come to us. We pray, O Lord. So, this 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 reference that Tuesday yesterday uh, of of this week, grant we pray, Almighty and merciful God, that the Holy Spirit coming near and dwelling graciously within us may make of us a perfect temple of His glory. Today's opening prayer, Wednesday of the seventh week. Graciously grant to your church, O merciful God, that gathered by the Holy Spirit, she may be devoted to you with all her heart and united in purity of intent. I mean, every day, Timothy asks for something from the Spirit. Yeah, going on to Thursday, the same. You know, may your Spirit, O Lord, we pray, imbue us powerfully with spiritual gifts, that he may give us a mind pleasing to you and graciously conform us to your will. And what I like about that for Thursday is again spirit coming down but this conforming us to the will that the will um is to go forth proclaiming the salvation that that we have received by the blood of the cross yeah and and And, then again even on friday you have that there in front of you yeah oh god who by the glorification of your uh, of your christ and the light of the holy spirit have unlocked for us the gates of eternity Grant, we pray, that partaking of so great a gift, our devotion may grow deeper and our faith be strengthened. Uh, the light of the Holy Spirit. That's the reference there in that prayer. So that's, that's what we mean when we talk about this being the, 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 original, the original novena. Um, and, and, that, and that connection between, um, like you said earlier, um, Jesus giving the great commandment and then in the feast, and then in the Feast of Pentecost, the power to do what Jesus commanded us to do. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, when I was teaching high school, um, I was asked to do a confirmation retreat for a group of uh, high school students that were outside of the area I was teaching. And I spent 
you know, I've, I've been to many confirmation retreats over my days, and many of them are not spectacular. <laughs> and I'm not saying mine was either. But what I wanted to do is exactly what we're doing here. Is I wanted to break open um, what is it about the Spirit that's important instead of just reflecting on um, the, the, the minutia, if you will, of the sacrament. And what you just said made me think of that because at, it is at the outpouring of the Spirit that we receive gifts that bear fruits in the world. And it, it is, in a sense, our little toolbox, you know, this knowledge and fortitude, all of the, the gifts of what the Spirit pours out upon us and what we receive in baptism and confirmed in confirmation is that we have the toolbox as we go forward to live this Christian life. Um, if we choose to engage in those gifts, and if, when we do, we see those fruits that we hear, I think, in Galatians, right, uh, where those fruits of the Spirit are, are mentioned, right. uh, you know, the, the joy and peace and gratitude. Um, and so it really is a, an amazing time for us to think about what it means to be church, and not just me as a baptized Catholic, but me belonging to a community of faith, a community that has been charged and has the gifts to go out and proclaim the good news in ways that uh, maybe we need to discover new ways of doing that. I don't know. But, but we have the power and the gifts to do so, and we just need to engage it. I hope that makes sense. I, 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 yeah, I think it does. And you just meant we, we might have to find new ways of doing that. I think we're doing that right now. In, in, in ministering online and ministering virtually and praying virtually, all of that, all of that. <laughs> and and uh, the, that idea of, of we cannot do this. I, I, I agree completely with you, but there is no way I can do that just in my own humanness and my own weakness without the Spirit, how, how we need the Spirit. Yeah, I mean, there's no... There's no way to do it without the Spirit, that is for sure. And it was just making me think of, like, because uh, I, I, as I was reflecting on the Ascension as well, is why, why does Jesus even have to ascend? Like, why, and I, not to put you on the spot, but that's, I'm sure many people might ask that question. Like, what's, what's the purpose of that? And couldn't he have just stayed here and been present, and the Spirit could have come at that point as well, and you know, they could have, as a community or a band of, of preachers, go forward. Um, and and I often wonder, like, do people ever sit in the pew and just be like, well, what was the point? What was the reason for this? I've read an awful lot about different exegesis, uh, 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 exegetes who talked about how uh, Christ had to ascend for the coming of the Spirit. Yeah. You know, in, in a sense, the, the Spirit being the part of the fulfillment of the Paschal mystery of Christ. And, and it, it, that is part of it, right? His ascension back to the right hand of the Father is part of the, 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 the Paschal mystery that, 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 that he, he went through. Yeah, and that we, because of the outpouring of the Spirit, we continue in that mission, in that Paschal mystery. Like, we're part of the narrative. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, I thought about this only because I 
because, like you, I was doing some reading, and I was reading some Sister Irene Knoll, and she was breaking open the psalm for Ascension um, in what I was reading, and it made all these connections actually back to the first reading primarily. And what I thought was really fascinating was, and I won't try to belabor this, but it, it was in in the ancient Near East, in those in early stories similar to what we hear about Christ, um, uh, when a, when a king had conquered a particular land, he would be enthroned, um, and and that's the short of the story. And what we're doing is Jesus has conquered all things. I mean, he he has conquered sin and death, and he is seated at the right hand of God to reign now over all of creation. Yes, over all of history. Yes. And he is the king of kings. Like, there, there is no other one greater than. And so that, that blare of trumpets that we hear in, in the psalm, and certainly what we hear in the first reading in the gospel, that, but that blare of trumpets that is really announcing to us that, yeah, he is the Most High. There is no one, no one greater, and now rules over all creation, so that we, who now have the Spirit, or will uh, as it is poured out at Pentecost, can go out and teach all nations, That's, as we were earlier. Yep, yep. And, and uh, just for the listeners, what Timothy is referencing is Psalm 47, which was the responsorial psalm for last Sunday uh, when we celebrated the Ascension. And 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 so and so from that right, then um, from that seat of glory, then he sends the Spirit so that we can continue what he began. Timothy, let's pick it up there when we come back from this next break. Stay with us. We're talking about the theology, the spirituality, the celebration of Pentecost. It's a word that inspires individuals and groups of people to achieve important goals. And in recent weeks, teamwork has been essential to our food and nutrition services at Catholic Charities. Careful allocation of food supplies has allowed all nine of our food pantries to serve twice the number of guests they usually see. A detailed coordination of staff and resources has ensured that our WIC centers remain open for families with children under five years old. Despite social distancing, our volunteers and restaurant partners have continued to make to-go meals possible for the hungry and the homeless who come to 721 North LaSalle and our suburban locations. And our creative employees have worked with food vendors and neighbors to make sure homebound seniors and the disabled still have meals delivered to them. Our team members recognize how serious food insecurity can be. Please join us in our mission. Visit www.catholiccharities.net. Henry Ford once said, a business that makes nothing but money is a poor business. 
At Catholic Charities, we are deeply grateful to our corporate partners who agree with Henry Ford. Some of our corporate partners make a financial commitment each year to the work of Catholic Charities. Other partners donate or offer reduced prices on goods and services that help our clients find stability in their lives. Still other corporate leaders gather their employees and regularly volunteer at our food pantries and our suppers for the homeless. For over a century, support from businesses large and small has been vital to our efforts to strengthen the lives of individuals and communities, one person, one family at a time. If you'd like to join us in our mission, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Thank you. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back. If you are just joining us, this is Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship. And this is Timothy Johnson with Liturgy Training Publications. This is Focus on the Liturgy, and we are talking about Pentecost uh, and and uh, the this last these last days of the Easter season. We spent some time in the first half of the show talking about Pentecost's connection to Ascension, how these last days really are, well, Timothy in one way— I mean, I, I really do see these two solemnities, these two uh, great celebrations as as kind of um, a, a unit that brings us to the culmination of the Easter season. And it just as you and I have been talking, how related they are, how one flows to the other. Uh, in in our own in our own discussions prior to the in prep for the show, we talked about them as, you know, kind of like two bookends in this one experience. Yeah, during the break, I was actually reading um, the collect for Saturday, which I think, I think kind of depicts that book and idea. Um, so I'm just going to read it real quickly. Um, Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that we, who have celebrated the Paschal festivities, may by your gift hold fast to them in the way that we live our lives. Oh, my gosh. So, I, yeah, I think there's a nice summary of we celebrated these Paschal events, and tomorrow you're gonna, we're going to celebrate the outpouring of the Spirit, and then of going forward. So there is uh, certainly a connection that could not be missed. And that connection that we were talking about before that last break. So may, may, may we hold fast to what we've been celebrating, these Paschal festivities. May we hold fast to them in a way that we live them in our lives. And, the, and again, like we said before that break, the only way we can do that is with the help of the Spirit. Yeah. And and I and I love it. So I mean, in one sense, there's there's. Let's talk about the spirit just for a little bit. The spirit is is it it, it is the transforming force, right? Um, I mean, you look you you look at at, at what 
through the scriptures. The, the Spirit is what transformed there in the in in the very first acts of creation. The Spirit is what what transformed this chaos into some kind of order, right? And the Spirit hovered over the waters. Yeah. Uh, the The Spirit is what uh, you know, the, uh, and a mighty wind blew and separated the 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 Red Sea. And so, in, in in a sense, we can say the Spirit is what helped to transform these slaves of Pharaoh into 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 the Lord's chosen people. The Spirit was what transformed, you know, uh, a sycamore tree dresser into one of the greatest prophets, uh, Ezekiel. Uh, the Spirit is, you know, so, 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 the, the, as the Spirit did all that, the Spirit is what transformed a bunch of ragtag disciples locked in an upper room, crippled, right? I mean, literally, yeah. unable to move, um, transform them into the evangelizers of the world what then can the spirit do for us for us for the church yeah i mean that's a profound thing to think about well that's that prayer for this coming saturday right the last day before the celebration of pentecost that you just uh, found for us so, you know may we yep. may we hold fast to the things that we've that have been revealed to us in this Easter season, may we hold fast to the things that the renewal of my baptism has brought to me. May we hold fast to all of that in a way that we live them in our lives. And that makes me think of I think it's Augustine who talks about the Spirit um, as being the love between the Father and the Son. Yes, yes, it is. And that that idea of going forth. Uh, with with the gifts that we have and, and the things we've been given, uh, the gifts that we've been given, especially during this Paschal season, is that we do them in love. Like, we go forward proclaiming the gospel and, and doing the things that we do because of our love, hopefully filled because of the Spirit, but our love of Christ, our, our love of God, uh, that compels us to be different. And it is the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, that transforms us to, to not only desire that, um, but to be more and more like Christ. That It's the power of the Spirit that continually shapes us, conforms us to the image of Christ we were baptized to be, and the image of Christ that was renewed in, our, in us in the renewal of our baptism at Easter. It, yep. it, it all comes back to that. It always all comes back. To it, to, to how interrelated it all is. One of the things I love about the celebration of uh, Pentecost, Timothy, um, are, are the very the various the various forms, I guess I will say, for the uh, for the celebration of the Pentecost Mass. Uh, re- really, really, there are three options, um, if you will, in, in terms of, of uh, just like at Christmas and just like um, at Easter, right? The, the, uh-huh. At Christmas, you have the celebration of uh, Christmas at night. Then you have the celebration at dawn. Then you have the celebration during the day. At Easter, you have the celebration of um, the Easter Vigil, then you have the celebration at dawn, and then you have the celebration of Easter Day. So for the celebration of Pentecost. Three options that we're giving. We're given uh, the vigil, and, and I will just call this a simple vigil, because the second option is to celebrate the extended vigil of Pentecost. And then the third option is the Mass of Pentecost during the day. Let, let's let's talk about the, the vigil for a minute, and just a, a little bit about the extended vigil, because I know you like that. <laughs> I do like that. So the extended vigil is uh, new, 
uh, in the uh, revisions of the Roman Missal in 2010. And I think this was one of the better and best uh, revisions or additions. I shouldn't say it wasn't a revision. It was an addition um, to the Missal because what it does is it, is it, like the Easter Vigil, it takes all of the options that were present in the lectionary for the readings for the simple vigil, and then allows a parish community to actually proclaim all of them, and to, like we would at the vigil, to really spend time reflecting on and praying with Scripture that helps us meditate on the the Holy Spirit and the role the Holy Spirit has prayed, played in the history of the Church, uh, in that sense. And so it, it it is. It isn't like. Uh, well, it isn't the Easter Vigil, but it has a sense of that liturgy of the Word being extended. Oh my gosh! Yeah. In in a beautiful, prayerful way, again with a reading psalm and a prayer, um, right? Uh, yeah, and uh, it, it's just a beautiful way to to look at. I mean, for example, I mean, because we really rarely hear some of these readings in the lectionary, um, but one, two of my favorites. The first one is the the reading um, about the Tower of Babel. Yep. Um, uh, Genesis 11. We it, it just is perfect to tie into the gospel for this day about speaking in tongues and all these nations coming together, which is what's going to happen. The fulfillment um, that that Christ has drawn and who now reigns over all the nations as as King in heaven. The Holy Spirit draws all the nations together, um, and the apostles are sent forth to evangelize those nations, if that, if that makes sense. It does. My, my second favorite um, is—well, there's so many great ones—but um, my second favorite is the third reading option, which is the dry bones from Ezekiel. Yes, yep. Yep. And that the, you know, that the spirit, uh, what's the image, the sinews, uh, you know, coming upon them, but that that these dry bones will be filled basically with the spirit. Think about it. Us who were in the desert for 40 days, and we've been rehearsing or practicing and celebrating this Easter joy, our bones might still be dry, and we need to be lifted up, and, and we will be filled with the spirit as we go forward. Uh, the, pr- the, the psalm prayer that goes with that says, Lord God of power who restore what has fallen and preserve what you have restored. Increase, we pray, the peoples to be renewed by the sanctification of your name, that all who have been washed clean by holy baptism may always be directed by your prompting. And we've all been washed by holy baptism. Yep. And so we, we are called forward. Um and so I, I don't know. I, I have unfortunately not had the opportunity yet to uh, liturgically experience this extended form. And um, hopefully one of these days I will, because I do think it's a great gift um, once again. And it's not like the Easter Vigil where it has to be celebrated in the night. It could be celebrated at the regular when we have Masses again, of course. Um, it would be celebrated at the regular Saturday evening, uh, Saturday evening Mass. Maybe just for a quick clarification for for the listeners. So, as we said, there there are these three options, for, uh, two options for the vigil of, of Pentecost. One is, uh, I I just called it a simple uh, vigil, and that's that's where you have the the normal number of readings that you would on a Sunday. There's a first testament, there's an Old Testament. I mean, a first reading, Psalm, second reading, then the Gospel. In and and in the lectionary, as Timothy noted, there are there are options for readings to choose. 
for these for the 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 Old Testament reading um, and for other readings, and the extended vigil which came to us when Timothy two thousand eight or it was before it was before the Roman Missal. It was like a year before twenty eleven. So yeah, I think it was around twenty. I mean, somewhere between two thousand eight and twenty ten. Um, and I don't remember exactly, but it was around that time because it was going to be included in the in the missal. Right. So the the option then would be to have an extended liturgy of the word, like the liturgy of the word at the Easter vigil. And so there are four readings before the epistle, and each of those readings is followed by a psalm and a prayer, as Timothy said. That it, it, Timothy, it, in a sense, it, it like it bookends the whole Easter season. We begin with an extended vigil. We end it at Pentecost with an extended extended vigil. Which, which, we can pick this up after this last break here. But it it really is the idea that we've come to find out in this pandemic, fasting from the Eucharist, how we need to feast on the Word of God. And that's what we do in these extended yep. vigils, right? We'll, yep. we'll, we'll pick it up there when we come back for our final segment on Focus on the Liturgy. Stay with us. nation in our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced a call to prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A call to prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. We invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend. Featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the Archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. We'll talk with Cardinal Blaise Supich about the outreach efforts underway by the Catholic Church to help people in need during the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll show you how online masses have become a common way of worship, and we'll give you a sampling of how teachers and students in Catholic schools are being creative and productive during the health crisis. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable, Channel 25, and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network, Channel 100. There's nothing like having a friend to talk to when things are not going well. And in these challenging days, everyone has had moments when they are discouraged, sad, or worried. Catholic Charities wants you to know that we are here, if you or someone you know would like to share your concerns with a professional, call 312-948-6951 
anytime, day or night, and you will be connected with an experienced counselor who will listen without judgment and offer compassionate, confidential advice that you can trust. That phone number again is 312-948-6951. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. Welcome back to this final segment of Focus on the Liturgy here at 7.50 a.m. I'm Todd Williamson. And I'm Timothy Johnston. And we're just finishing up a discussion about Pentecost. Um, the, the, Timothy, we, we just ended that, that before that last break on uh, talking about the, the Pentecost vigil and, and how it really does mirror and, and, and bookend and, and really kind of uh, the way we started Easter is the way we end Easter with that, with that extended vigil. Um, you, you were talking about uh, two of the readings, but just for the, the listeners, um, the, 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 four, the four readings that would precede the epistle then. Timothy mentioned the first one from the book of Genesis, the story of uh, Babel. Then the second reading is Moses going up to the uh, mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Um, the third reading is uh, from Ezekiel. That was the other one that Timothy mentioned, the uh, dry bones. And, and remember, the Spirit plays a part in all of these in terms of, like, like this last one, you know, the, the, the Spirit breathed uh, over the, those dry bones. The fourth is from Joel. Uh, 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 I will pour my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. The, this, this is the work of the Spirit that we are celebrating in terms of, of Pentecost. And then the, the fourth reading is followed by uh, Romans, the epistle, and then the gospel. Uh, and so it really, it, it's just, it's that whole idea of, us, right, Timothy, the, the real ideal of a vigil is where you wait. And, and, and you're strengthened by the word, you're strengthened by singing psalmody, you're strengthened by the prayers that follow each of those readings and psalms. Um, and and it's, it's, that, it's that patiently, um, abidingly waiting for the Spirit to come, the Spirit that Jesus promised. Yeah, it, taking the time necessary to really reflect and meditate upon the mystery, the mystery of the outpouring of the Spirit. Um, and I think these readings, it's interesting, we haven't heard Old Testament readings since the vigil. Right, uh, right. The Easter vigil, I should say, and so this will be the first time. And I, I think what you said earlier about being bookends, this, these particular passages continue that, that narrative of salvation history that we, we heard developed at the Easter Vigil. And, um, and in a way shows how the Spirit has played a part in that salvation history from the very beginning of creation. From the very beginning, yeah. Uh, it, what a profound... Beautiful, yeah. That's what I love about our show sometimes, is, is our conversation sparks insights that I have never <laughs> had before. Always, and that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, just because I know of, of your giftedness as a uh, liturgical musician, we got to talk about music. What what some of your favorite hymns? What some of your favorite songs for Pentecost for this these last final days of the Easter season? Well, the very first thing to mention, um, I'm going to look get it here, is the sequence. 
which, <laughs> yep. which is done on Easter, or excuse me, on Pentecost, uh, mastering the day. Just real quick, explain for the listeners they might not know, what, what is, what is the, uh, a sequence? So a sequence, historically, there were lots of sequences in the Church, but historically it is a poetic text. It's not a scriptural text, um, but it's a poetic text that we've inherited over the centuries from different parts of the world. Um, different, different leaders, good, great saints. Yeah, wrote them, and they're again, they're poetic because they're they're trying to draw the prayer um, in to a mystery, into celebrating a particular uh, mystery, and um, and they also help illuminate, if you will, that mystery. So think about when when you were in back in the Middle Ages when Mass was in Latin, and individuals weren't speaking Latin per se, they would have uh, illustrated these beautiful scrolls that had images from the sequence to help the faithful know what the story was that they were celebrating, because they couldn't understand the scriptures. So for the Pentecost sequence, for example, there would have been a beautiful scroll that depicted the Spirit um, as the Father, the poor, the comforter, um, the welcoming guest, uh, the rest most sweet, the gracious coolness uh, most sweet, um, all of those beautiful images um, to help us meditate and think about um, the Holy Spirit in this particular case. And hopefully spark, I think, your imagination, and how do you see the Holy Spirit? How has the Spirit been a work in your life? Has the Spirit been a comforter? Has um, the Spirit really bent your stubborn heart and will? I know the Spirit has done that to me many times. Um, but there's so many. <laughs> me too. Um, so the sequence is normally um, sung. Um, preferably it would be sung, um, but sometimes it is read. Uh, but it's done before the gospel acclamation. So in a sense, on these special occasions, it's a little interlude um, that that becomes part of the Liturgy of the Word. Um, it kind of bridges the second reading and then the Alleluia that precedes the gospel. Yeah. And 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 what I love about the Pentecost sequence is, is that it, it it's the traditional Vene Sancte Spiritu, and this is attributed to St. Augustine, right? I, no. I think so. Aqu Aquinas. Aquinas, I think it is, isn't it? Um, well, no. Well, we'll have to look. We'll have to look. But it is it, uh, the point being, it is it is uh, a, a piece of poetry written by um, one of our great saints, uh, and it, and it's it's the come Holy Spirit come. It's it's the traditional um, uh, the traditional hymn that that we sing. Come Holy Ghost, Creator blessed, and in our hearts take up Thy rest. Uh, and and it's a it's a not not terribly long, but it's absolutely beautiful. Come, Holy Spirit, come from your celestial home, shed a ray of light divine. And and I, like you said, uh, Timothy, I love the titles for the Spirit. Come, yes. Father of the poor. Come, source of all we store. Uh, you know, the one who gives sweet refreshment here below. The one who is rest in our labors. I love this one. The one who is coolness in the heat. The one, yes. the one who is solace in our woe, and so it, it, it's just a, it's a beautiful traditional hymn. It goes back uh, centuries in terms of of, of its use. Uh, Timothy, just a, a last uh, four minutes here. What are what are other hymns that that you love about Pentecost? Well, I have two other ones that that come to my mind, and one I would say is probably more familiar than the other. The first one is "O Spirit All Embracing," which is a text by Dolores Duffner, um, and it's to that great tomb Thaxted. Oh, Spirit all-embracing, very triumphant. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> regal, almost, uh, uh, sound. But again, it, it plays off of the sequence with its text a little bit, and so it, you can see some of the connection of imagery in that. 
And the other one, um, which is in, uh, I, I know it's in worship, the worship hymnal, uh, the new worship hymnal. It's a text by Albert F. Bailey, and uh, it's probably, well, the tune is probably somewhat familiar. It's fire of God, undying flame, spirit who in splendor came. And what I love about this is that that particular melody is often connected to Advent. Oh, wow. This um, often, there's this sense of longing desire, I think, in the, in the melody itself. And so I think it's paired very nicely with this particular text. Um, so it, it starts off fire of God, the second verse, breath of God, third verse, strength of God, fourth is truth of God, and five is love of God. So again, oh these gosh. titles, you know, since the Spirit's not a tangible person, it... As, um, as it the Son was, right? As Jesus Christ right, was. As, as right. Jesus. And so we, we find these really great ways to describe our experience of the Spirit. Um, so fire of God, I love that image. That's one of my favorites. And, and just what you named in the sequence, I mean, all of those. Um, and what I, my final thought with this is, um, I think by praying with the hymn text, with the readings, the sequence, all of those things, we have an opportunity to maybe even nurture a new found relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because to be honest, the Holy Spirit is often the forgotten person of the Trinity. <laughs> in People, our prayer, yeah. Even even in the Church's official prayer, we don't often pray to the Holy Spirit. Um, I think pretty rarely, actually. Yeah, yeah. This, this solemnity is an opportunity to, to nurture that really profound uh, relationship. That's um, what I love about the sequence. It's addressed to the Spirit. It's addressed yeah. to the third person of the Trinity, right? And and so in all of this, maybe maybe in this last minute that we have, Timothy, just to to end with, uh, I th- I think the prayer opening collect for the mass during the day on Pentecost is a perfect place to end the Easter season and and this last show of ours in the Easter season. When we gather next month, it'll be in uh, ordinary time, back in that in that great season. But the 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 opening collect for the mass during the day reads this way, O God, who by the mystery of today's great feast, sanctify your whole church in every spirit and nation, pour out, we pray, the gifts of the Holy Spirit across the face of the earth, and with the divine grace that was at work when the gospel was first proclaimed, fill now once more the hearts of believers. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a great prayer to end our show on. May, may, may the Father send the Spirit to fill once more the hearts of all believers who have been renewed by Easter, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a great, a great celebration. A all, great way. all prepared, all prepared to enter ordinary time as faithful disciples. Maybe that's, maybe that's where we can pick it up next month when we gather again, Timothy. That sounds great. Until then, I'm Todd Williamson. Thank you for listening. And God bless everyone. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.